Welcome to Expounded Universe, episode 14, Shizor Consequences. The book, Shadows of the Empire, by Steve Perry. The year, 1996. Your hosts, Jeff and John, and a cavalcade of your questions, plus the announcement of the next book in the Expounded Universe series with musical guest, Beck. Let's go! Who gave that dog a crossbow and two bachelor's degrees? <laughs> Calls everyone cheese on. I don't know why. <laughs> That's Vader, <laughs> the world's greatest power top. Take a look at these meat bags. And welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Expanded Universe book review podcast. It is time for our Shadows of the Empire victory lap. <laughs> Yeah, we did it. We reviewed Shadows of the Empire. But wait, the credits are ending, and there's a post credit scene. In fact, there's two. <laughs> oh, boy. So we really have to talk about the epilogue. Uh, but first, let's do some introductions. I am Jeff, and that is John, your hosts. We are hosts. Now, we have to t- we have to do the introductions, even though if you're listening to this episode and you don't know who we are, go back <laughs> you know, and, and listen to one that's actually a review of the book and not an interstitial episode. Uh, that's really more about about the diehards, yeah. the, the fans. Cause yeah, it's it's more about Die Hard, the movie. This is about Die Hard. So, John, Nakatomi Plaza. Does it make sense, yes or no? Uh, well, i got to ask you. Does it make sense, yes or no? Does it, does it make sense? John, are they celebrating Christmas in that movie, or is it actually a New Year's movie? Well, they're celebrating both. Oh, they're doing both, so it's a both movie. Yeah, it's both of them. Okay, fair enough. So anyway, this is the Expounded Universe podcast. We've been reviewing for the past 13 episodes Steve Perry's Shadows of the Empire. Uh, We just reached Chapter 40 to wrap that sucker up. There is a little tiny epilogue, so why don't we get right into it and start talking about the days after the days of our years. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, epilogue, part one, Vader is kneeling in the Emperor's. Most intimate and private sanctum. Man, you you really don't want to hear about someone kneeling in someone's intimate sanctum when you start getting into this book. No, there ain't no- that just brings up real bad ideas. I mean, on the one hand, that that's definitely true. On the other hand, there is no way that the Emperor's most private sanctum isn't just what Sheev calls his shitter. <laughs> yeah, that's his, <laughs> that's his walk-in closet of a shitter. <laughs> you know, he's got one of those giant bathrooms with like a sit-down bathtub in it. Because he's old. Well, sit-down bathtub. What am I saying? Yeah, one, one of those, those kind of, sit-down bathtubs. Oh, those fancy new sit-down bathtubs. <laughs> I I prefer the, the stand-up bathtubs. You know where you get dropped in there from above and you got to wear a straight jacket and find your way out of it? Wait, isn't that very similar to that thing that they heal Luke up in in Empire Strikes Back with a big blue tank? Yeah. And he has to wear a diaper. So maybe everyone does have stand-up bathtubs in Star well, Wars. Well, I mean, obviously, Sheev has a big stand-up diaper-wearing bathtub. He's got a... I mean, before anyone sends us an email, yes, we know that's a back-to-tank. Yes. Uh, but, you know, it's also Sheev's big stand-up blue water bathtub. Indeed. <laughs> uh, but no, he's got one of them sit-down showers and a kind of bathtub that's got like a grip bar and a door built into the side of it. Yes. But also, he's making Vader kneel in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get in here. Vader. Vader, you must meet me in my most private sanctum. Oh, very well. I, I must protest. <laughs> you got you to gotta take a look at this, Vader. Man, this is huge. <laughs> I've told you several times I do not wish to examine your leavings, my master. <laughs> yeah, but you got to check this out. It's, it's like lumpy. 
I have told you before that the only interest I would take in your defecation is if it is black, in which case you are to call Dr. Andretti. (laughs) I hate that guy. I have posted his number above the toilet, just in case. (laughs) Oh, man, look at here. There's like a... It's like a whole leaf in here. When did I eat a leaf? What the hell's going on here? I feel like I'm a caterpillar. <laughs> I didn't even chew it. It's a completely unbroken leaf. <laughs> what ha- when did this happen? Jesus, I feel like I could plant this. <laughs> it's probably still got photosynthesis happening in there. Well, it ain't seen light in a couple of days, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. There is no way that Sheem's most private sanctum is in the toilet. Yes. But he basically is there because of, you know, what what we all know he was going to be there for. Uh, Vader disobeyed a direct order and went off and attempted to kill Shizor. Yeah. So he's like, uh, you know, you have dera- deba- disobeyed a direct order of mine, Vader. And Vader's all, well, yes, but uh, I, I like to think Yeah, I- but have you seen that guy? Yeah. Fuck that Fuck- guy. Come on, right? I-, I like to think I followed the spirit of your order and not the letter, basically. And, and Jesor, I-, I mean, I love this because... Because, first of all, the first thing he does is he favors Vader with a dark smile. <laughs> Good. <laughs> all right, what's a dark smile in this situation? Do we think that's a graphic novel about the Joker, or is it a Greatest Hits ICP collaborative album? Oh, it's well, it's definitely Sheev's uh, ICP album that he has created. It's his oh, mixed CD. It's just, it's just a, it's a mixed CD too. It's not a, uh, it's not just a bunch of ICP songs on a memory stick. Oh no, it is definitely like, here. This is my favorite mix. Look, I've drawn a clown on the top of the CD. <laughs> it's a hatchet man. <laughs> we should really get those matching tattoos as soon as you have any exposed flesh. <laughs> Yeah, it's just an ICP mix CD that he's made for Vader called A Dark Smile. Yeah. So so he gives Vader a dark smile, and then he says the following confusing thing. And this is going to be a quote here, so I've got this ready for you. I am not unaware that Shizor served his own ends, and that you were shrewd to have uncovered his plot. I knew all about it, of course. Of course. <laughs> that's some, that's some top-level leadership bullshit, is what that is. Oh, yeah. I mean, the... The fact that the book is like, oh, yeah, (laughs) fucking Palpatine's like, yes, yes, good job on uncovering all of that nonsense that Shizor was doing. I, of course, knew all along. I just let him do all this because I was really keen on the idea of fucking terrorism on Coruscant, an entire skyhook getting blown up. That was my plan all along. I was consistently worried you might go off all half-cocked and do something stupid, but I had to let it play out anyway because that's just the kind of guy I am. Hey, are we still standing in a bathroom? What's that about? (laughs) So this is great because he says this whole quote, which is very clearly bullshit. Oh, yeah. He's just bullshitting from the top is what's happening here. And then Vader just stands there. He's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. (laughs) Yeah, he's not even mm. like, yes, you're very clever, my master. Mm, Yes, I'm going to let that obvious lie pass like a holiday fart. (laughs) (laughs) So so that happens, and then then he has to be like, are you sure that Shizor is dead? Which Vader has... A very hemming and hawing response to. He's like, mm, yes, my master. I am 100% almost definitely sure he died. I blew up his skyhook, and I'm pretty sure he was on there. He is 100% dead, give or take 10%. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, fuck you, book. Just kill the guy. We don't need to know that he might still be floating around out there doing rapes. Well, I mean, 
I'm sure he was instructed like, hey, man, don't for sure like on screen kill Shizor off just in case this Shadows of the Empire shit really takes off. Yeah, if that happens, which incidentally, there is a full prequel book to this and there was a planned sequel to this that ended up becoming a series of comic books. Huh. So uh, so that's a little bit of interesting insight about what happened with Shadows of the Empire. They actually did get a prequel book out there. The list of interesting shit that exists because of Shadows of the Empire is near endless. Huh. The video game's the one everyone's heard of, but then you've also got models, toys, miniatures, a prequel book, the actual novel, a series of graphic novel standalone sequels to this thing about Guri, hmm. uh, a full-on CD soundtrack that is, that is uh, done in John Williams style but is not done by John Williams. Yeah. I've listened to it. It is uh, confusing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's all this shit out there that's floating around about this. Uh, so I guess it makes sense that they wouldn't want to kill off Shizor in case they needed him for something later. Yeah. So then Shizor says the following stupid thing. Also a quote. You mean Palpatine? I do. Shizor pops in and says something stupid. <laughs> Shizor comes in and he's like, hey, everyone. Hey, I like Fleek. <laughs> Whatever his voice is supposed to sound like. Yeah. Mm, I enjoy Fleek Eels. Yeah, you're just giving everybody the same voice. Goodbye. You know, everyone sounds like the Emperor now. Yeah. My master, I am Darth Vader. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Krillin. I don't have any powers. I'm Luke Skywalker. I don't have any good Jedi abilities. <laughs> I'm Han Solo and the Force is a hokey religion, even though it was completely real during my lifetime. <laughs> Okay, uh, so Sheev says, Black Sun is... Why am I doing his voice different now? What's happening to me, John? I'm so I don't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, Quit uh, trying to do voices. Just read your shit. All right, fine. I'm just reading my shit. All right. Uh, Black Sun is useful, but it is also like a Chiru. Cut off one head and another will appear to replace it. Then the Emperor smiles because he's pleased about how smart his simile was. Lol. All right, let's talk about this simile for a couple of seconds, shall we, John? I think we got some time. Yeah, sure, why not? First of all, this is very clearly just the simile of the Hydra. Yes. Yeah, you cut off one head, two more grow back. Done. We're all set. But I guess there aren't Hydras in Star Wars, so we had to come up with an animal that does regrow its head all the time. And so he chose the Chiru, a made-up animal that is only ever found in this sentence, which grows back heads when you cut off heads from it. Now, the question I have is, is, like the Hydra, the Chiru a mythical animal, or in Star Wars... Is there some animal where when you cut its head off, it's like, whoop? I like to think it's the animal that exists just because it works for every single simile you need to tell. <laughs> he has been hoisted by his own petard, like the Chiru. <laughs> Known for getting hoisted by its petard. My friend died in a car accident, which he was always afraid of, but I suppose in the end, he was much like the misbegotten Chiru, the animal that always dies in car accidents. Yeah. That's... I like to think it's just the simile creature, and you just use it for any potential simile you might need told. There you go. The other problem I have with it is that it, the, na the name is very close to the churro, <laughs> which I think Vader probably, you know, was mishearing that and was like, hmm, do cinnamon treats often grow back their heads? I do not understand this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to argue with him. He's the boss. Yeah, whatever, sure. Like the noble churro, it totally grew back its head. He's just, the, the emperor's rambling on about stuff, and he's just sitting there going like, Man, I could go for a churro right now. Oh my god, I want a churro. Jeez, <laughs> when's the last time I had a churro? Which planet has a county fair happening right now? <laughs> Someone ready the executor. I, I need to go to churro planet. <laughs> no, the churros are no good on churro planet. It's better when you find them at some random county fair. I just like the idea that there is a churro planet. Like, every planet is something. Like, yeah, this is an entire own. forest planet, yeah. an entire ice planet. This is an entire churro planet. It's a churro world. <laughs> it's an ugly planet. A churro planet. <laughs> People die here like the ignoble churro. 
Okay, so uh, <laughs> Vader basically tries to square with his Chiru thing by... It's clear it doesn't really work on him. He's just sort of like, why is he so proud of that dumb joke? But then he's like, well, my master, the the next leader of Black Sun may be equally dangerous. Well, I mean, probably more so because... Because he won't just stalk around in his room bragging to himself about nothing? Yeah, because probably the next person who takes over Black Sun will, I don't know, do something (laughs) and not just be a giant man baby? Yeah, maybe the next guy will actually be interested in running the business instead of endlessly plotting revenge against Vader and trying to hook up with women he saw on a phone call. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the worst. Everything about Shizor was the worst, and I can't imagine anyone being a worse leader than him for Black Sun out of the people that would be there. Yeah, out of our list of options, he is far and away the least competent I mean, if, possible if person. Chumdi the Wumdi or Chumba the Wumba or... I think you're talking about Wumdi the Donkey. <laughs> We're talking about Wumdi the Eddie, Parit the Mon Calamari... Green the human. Uh, well, not green the human. That guy is. That guy is. That guy is fuck. no more. Yeah, Durga the Hut. Uh, uh, oh God, how could uh, Sprax the Nelroni? <laughs> Charleston the Chewy. <laughs> Jabba the Hut. I guess. Also, why not? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, anyone that took over Black Sun at this point, I'm like, Big hey, the Cat, Ro- Rouge the Bat. Do you have any idea of what you're doing at all in business? Great. You win. Knack the dynamite. What are, what are you, Scraps the the dog boy? Great. <laughs> oh, Scraps in. the Nalroni. Scraps. He's, the, he's the second Nalroni to join. After Sprax got too old and had to go to a space yeah, farm Sprax upstate. Sprax got his son Scraps to show up. <laughs> and Scraps is like, I'm in charge now. <laughs> Shizor had to walk Sprax around behind the barn with a shotgun <laughs> over his shoulder. <laughs> Scraps is like, where's my dad? And they're like, oh, he's at a farm. He's at a space farm upstate. Up, up galaxy. <laughs> up galaxy. Oh, he just gets to run and jump and catch Chirus. Oh, that's his favorite thing. <laughs> he loves biting the head off Chirus because then they just come right back. <laughs> Plus, they're all cinnamony. Haha, <laughs> 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 you were drinking Coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good, you got me. All right, so... So yeah, uh, Sheev basically responds with, well, it doesn't matter if he's as power- more powerful than uh, friggin' Shizor, because the dark side is more powerful than any leader of Black Sun. Which Vader, I guess, could have responded with, well, what if a Sith got in charge? Yeah, yeah, but like, what if, what if some dude with force powers was like, I'm in charge now, get fucked. Yeah, it's not like we don't know about a whole bunch of dark Jedi, because this is the expanded universe. I mean, you're like personally responsible for three or four of them. Yeah. You've got that one that sounds like Chris Griffin, and they made all the video games about him. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The Force Unleashed games. Uh, that guy sounds like the whiniest little piece of shit when you play those games. It's like, I'm mad about the Force. Nah, just I've like, got these Force powers, and I don't like it. Uh, girls. Uh, I don't know how to talk to Yodas. <laughs> so, so you got that guy. You've got Mara Jade, who is the Emperor's Hand. Yeah, like the Emperor's just loaded up with extra jet dark Jedi. He d- he knows that the whole there's only a few of us left is a straight up lie. So when Asajj Ventress takes over the fucking Black Sun, I, he's got no one to blame but himself well. for saying stupid shit like that. All right, so uh, <laughs> and then uh, basically at that point, Vader kind of just trails off in his own mind by having the same Vader conversational thoughts he's had the entire book. Great place to put some more of those is in the big secret epilogue. Yeah, just some more of him going like, well, someday my master will be undone by fear. A fear I feel because I am Anakin Skywalker. An Anakin Skywalker who seeks his son Luke Skywalker. Together we will be powerful. Yeah, the 
the fact that you're like, okay, we get to the epilogue, it's time to wrap everything up and sort of segue into where Return of the Jedi is going to get us going, and the book's like, nah, fuck it, I'm just going to keep doing the same shit I've been doing. Yeah, I've been coasting so far for like 200 pages, why stop? The only reason that this scene is any different than the rest of Vader's scenes in this book is because since he's stuck in the Emperor's bathroom, little man can't come in and tell him things. <laughs> man, I would love if the end of this scene, he's like, yes, and then I will find Skywalker, and then he will join me, and then we'll get rid of it. And then little man just shows up, and he's like, hey, uh... Hey, you said you were going to pay me, like, a lot of money? <laughs> you said I would never need for money again? Oh, yes, right. I forgot to kill you. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Ha, ha, ha. Do you get it? I'm like one of those shit genies. <laughs> Grats on casting a wish spell, stupid. Ha, <laughs> ha. You will never want for money because you are dead and cannot want for anything. Do you get the joke? I am Vader. Ha, 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 ha. You will never want for money because I have removed your capacity to want. You will starve to death because you never get hungry. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm a jerk. Good day. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to examine this poop for cloudiness. <laughs> it's one of my many duties as the Emperor's second in command. Ah, Emperor Cloudiness. <laughs> Come here, little man. Does this poop look unreasonably feathery to you? Ah, <laughs> eh, well, pretty reasonable. Get in there and fish around, would you? It's a living. PP doo doo. We are bad podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Meanwhile, we cut to part two of the epilogue, in which Luke is hanging around in Ben's sand condo again. Yay, we're back at the sand condo. Let's talk about how this scene is so boring for the for the last thing that happens in the book. It's basically just him saying, "All right, so the following things are going to happen in Return of the Jedi." <laughs> I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm so excited. I'm going to record a message that starts with, Greetings, your exalted one. And then also Lando's in there, and Leia's going to be in there, and we already know Han's in there, and I'm going to send the droids in there. And then, oh man, Jabba the Hutt is so dangerous. And then when I say that Jabba can keep the droids, the droids are going to be like, surprised because I'm not going to tell him. And you're like, oh my God, let's thank talk you for just telling me what the beginning of this movie is going to be. Not just that, but let's talk for a second about that specific scene. In this scene, Luke is laughing heartily at his plan to to uh, play a trick on the droids by selling them in slavery to a gangster monster. Yeah. Well, only 3PO really is going to be the one that doesn't know because mm -hmm. R2 is the one recording the message. Yeah, he's recording the message, and we already know he's loaded up with Luke's like lightsaber and all that junk. But still, 3PO is just like, <laughs> Luke's just, Luke's all, haha, stupid 3PO. Wait until he sees this happen. He's going to be freaked right the fuck out when I sold him a sentient being my father created into slavery. Well, it's going to be, it would be great if in the epilogue he's like, man, I was going to tell him, but now nah, I'll just let it be a surprise. Fucking guy dinged up the Millennium Falcon flying it around like an idiot. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Han's going to take that shit out of my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Han is his boss now. <laughs> well, no, he's the lessee of the Falcon at the moment. That's that's what's going on. He's uh, he's sub Han is subletting the Falcon to the to the uh, Alliance while he's stuck in Carbonite. Yeah. He's going to walk around. The first thing he does when he get it back is walk I'm around it. I'm going to lose it. my deposit for sure. <laughs> first of all, this thing only has three quarters of a full tank of gas. Wait, why am I giving him the Vader voice? Why am I doing voices? Stop doing... You're bad at them. Stop doing voices. <laughs> he's going to be all mad because it only has three quarters of a tank of gas. He's yeah, Han Solo's going to be in there and he's like, wait a minute, this only has... Woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> I'd fuck a pumpkin. <laughs> I, I love pumpkins. 
<laughs> That's our Han Solo impression. That's get re- Han Solo. Get ready for that in the next book, which probably has Han Solo in it. Yeah, that's that's gonna be my voice for Han Solo from now gone from now on. He's, you didn't hear him in this book, but boy howdy, I hope you're ready. But just the whole thing, the whole notion of Luke being willing to straight up just give his droids away as a joke. Yeah, is like. Well, I mean, he knows he's coming back in for him. I guess, but what if the first thing that, that Vader did, or Vader, goddammit, that Jabba did on getting them was like, oh, good, droids. I've been needing two droids for parts. Yeah, if he was just like, huh, I don't have any need for these two droids, please immediately disassemble them, or <laughs> sell fuck them. it, I'll sell them for because I got them for free. I'll just, well, he shows up, hey, what happened to 3PO? Uh, I, I, uh, I gave you a droid a couple of days ago. Oh, right, that. I, uh, I sold it. Oh yeah, I, I sold that for like fifty bucks. That was I, well, I don't know why you didn't sell it. I mean, I put it on Craigslist immediately. He was, he was bought by someone unsavory. Let me tell you that. He's so gross. He's not allowed in my weird palace room. Yeah, yeah. That three PO is definitely a sex bot now. Yeah. Oh, it's messed up. And I don't mean they like put flesh on him and turn him into a sex bot. I mean they just put some lipstick on his weird little mouth rectangle. Yeah. And just put him out there. <laughs> just just <laughs> put him out there. He's just out on the street now. Who? Who am I? Who? <laughs> Oh, I don't want to go. That, that's all it had. Why did I you dream to dream in times gone by? <laughs> he's out there right now living the pretty woman lifestyle. No, he's out there lay-missing as hard as he can. <laughs> Walking into stores. You, you've made a big mistake. A big mistake. <laughs> uh, or I can also go with your lay Miz one, although I haven't seen that in forever. So, or read it in forever, so oh, I don't know if I've sad. got the, I don't know if I have the chops. <laughs> I've definitely seen Pretty Woman more recently. I have not. That is definitely not a thing I have seen, like, since I was a young child and it was just on in the background somewhere. (laughs) All right, so, and then the final line of the book, might as well get through that, in italics, don't worry, Han, we're coming. (laughs) Gross. Gross. That's the ending. (laughs) that's, That's what it is. Don't worry, Han, we're coming. Dot, dot, dot. Gross. (laughs) Gross. <laughs> All right. So uh, so that's the end. That's the end of Shadows of the Empire by Steve Perry. There it is. Uh, do we have any long overarching thoughts we want to give about the total content of the book? Uh, I did want to say that as someone with a degree in literature, mm-hmm. fuck this guy forever. <laughs> do you wish you had been able to write this book to, to connect Return and Empire? No, because you don't need to. The fact that this book got written in the first place, I'm like, all right, I can't. Well, yes, I can 100% fault Steve Perry. I was going to say, I can't fault him for doing this, but no, I really can, because a lot of the nasty, like, horrible choices for things, like, you know, I don't think- Chizor being a big rape monster and yeah. Leia being a ridiculous space racist and all that, it's not like that came down from on high. No, I'm pretty sure there was no point where George Lucas came into a room and was like, hey, uh, the lizard guy, can we make him more Ming the Merciless with a big floppy dick? Hey, I see you're uh, writing a scene here, and as your editor, I gotta say, you don't describe his bulge at all. That's weird. That's weird. I mean, we have him with a loose, open, flowing robe. It really seems like you'd be able to see his ball sack and dick all mounted together to form a sort of a bulge area. You'd think that, and yet you don't write it. Look, the listeners at home, or the readers at home, rather, are going to be really curious about this big alien's dick. (laughs) We need to give them some semblance of a clue so that they've got something to go on. I mean, you're obviously going to have him be all rapey, but we need to know if his dick is compatible. Yeah. What if he tries to rape Leia and his dick is just like a flower or something? That's going to be a problem for everybody. <laughs> He's got one of them tulip dicks. He's got one of them wraith two dicks. How are we going to how are we going to square that? Now, let's make sure that there's a scene in the book where we see that he has a real humany dick, except it's probably all green. 
Probably. I mean, maybe. But if there's a part where Shizor turns red, maybe his dick changes color. Who knows? I know mine does. Maybe it's hypercolor. <laughs> it is the mid-90s. There's lots of hypercolor around. <laughs> Just grab hold of it and then let go, and you're like, oh, that looks real weird. <laughs> Under- hyperwear undercolor, or, uh, hypercolor underwear would have been a terrible idea. <sighs> hyperwear undercolor. <laughs> Because it changed, it turned black with moisture, which meant if you got any like like uh, crotch sweat, that part of your underwear would just turn black. Oh yeah, that would be that would be fucked up. For the for the folks who were listening who weren't born in like the late seventies and early eighties, Hypercolor was a brand of shirts that changed color when they turned warm. Yeah, it was great because you could just take one and like breathe into it and make it change color, and you're like, yeah, yeah. It sounds rad, and it should have been, except it turned black when it got wet. You couldn't put them through the dryer without breaking them. <laughs> And uh, no one wanted to see which parts of another person are hot right now. Yeah. Because guess what? It's always the armpits. <laughs> guess what? When you're hot, no one cares. Everyone who's looking at you like, huh, looks like the parts of you that are hot are the hot parts. Well, it's the armpits. Basically, you look gross. <laughs> no, no, no one really wants to worry about having an indicator for if you are a McDLT and your hot parts stay hot and your cool parts stay cool. I mean, Jason Alexander might have cared, but he was pretty busy at that point. Seinfeld had started. Uh, yeah, he's he's not going to worry about my hot parts <laughs> and my cool parts. Uh, the thing I wanted to mention about this book, having gone all the way through it now, kind of an overarching cap, is... There's a lot of shit in this book that's introduced for, like, no reason and then never touched on again. Yeah. And I thought that was something that, like, all the way through reading it, I was like, all right, I can't wait for the part where we meet the two Epicanthics warrior women, Zan and Zoo. We get introduced to them in, like, chapter two while Vader or Shizor is watching a hollow video of them and being all like, yes, recruit them. I have need of them. And then they are never mentioned again. No, because that's pretty much Steve Perry's thing is instead of going... Let's find a way to make uh, it very clear that Shizor is the type of person that does fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Instead of having it be one thing that's sort of a theme with him and then maybe shows up once or twice, every Shizor chapter is a different stupid bullshit thing that Shizor has to do. I mean, let's talk about this. If we wanted to improve this book, the first thing was that whole scene with Zan and Zoo, the space agents, we might as well just say they are space agents, yeah. is eliminate them because they're they're stupid racist idea that doesn't matter. And replace them with the scene where Shizor gets Guri. Yeah. Like, it's still him acquiring a powerful, sexy second-in-command, who's a badass martial artist and super hot-looking, except that she's relevant to the plot of the book. Yeah, and but you just said it she's little... already established. Like, that's supposed to be a thing that he's had. No, he just he just have him reminiscing. You just have him go, ah, once upon a time, I purchased you, Guri. Let me tell you the tale. Yeah, I mean, it's not all that hard to come up with a way to introduce that storyline, a storyline that would have had something to do with the book and something going forward in the book. I, I'm not saying that it needed to be that, but things like Zan and Zoo, the Wonder Twins, uh, uh, the introduction of the Barabel b- bounty hunter Scatool, who's in this book for three pages. Yeah. It's like all these things could have come back. Oh, how about the part where uh, the Emperor, the Empire has a diamond boron torpedo that can't be shot down by normal lasers and is only in the book to make Dash look bad until he dies and then to have it lifted from him so he looks cooler in death. Yep. It's just there to get the mini Bothans died thing covered, but that seems like a really useful torpedo. Yeah, no, it seems like a thing they would, you know, want to actually use. And again, if this was a prototype that like, oh yeah, well they only had the one of it, why are you putting it on this random ship that's going out that you know is going to get attacked and captured? That's the point of it. Don't lose your prototype. 
Uh, also questions about why didn't they do anything else with this. This is supposed to be about the uh, the group chasing down Boba Fett, except he's only in one scene in this, and it's just his ship. Yeah, for a book that ostensibly was about, let's go try and get back Han, they spend, like you said, maybe two chapters going like, yeah, we're getting Boba Fett, and we're going to track him down. They find him, they lose him, and then the book just stops giving a fuck. Yeah, we don't mention it for a while. The closest we come is occasionally Leia going, oh no, Han Solo, who I love. Oh, Han, but I also like other boys. I love every boy. <laughs> I have a crush on every boy that's a human. Yeah, Let's well, not get crazy. I mean, no one else is boys. They're just weird, gross aliens. <laughs> Boys, 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 specifically the humans. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a real specific cut you got there. Man, if anyone else is able to identify the boys, boys, boys song <laughs> by that Italian pop singer whose name is fallen. Oh, uh, Sabrina Salermo. There you go. Bam. Look at that shit. Look at it. Yeah. So uh if you haven't heard of that song before, folks, go watch the video. Give yourself a treat. <laughs> Treat yourself. Treat yourself to a Sabrina Salermo repeatedly falling out of her overstuffed bikini uh, on some beach while weird neon things happen. There you go. It is completely worth the watch. All right, so uh, moving on. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of things in this book that are introduced only to do nothing. Most of them just establish that that you know Shizor is is important. How about that whole Aurora Syndicate thing? It, it, they use it for three chapters. Uh, Shizor leaks it to Vader. Vader goes out there and kills everybody. Nothing comes of it. Well, yeah. There's, like I said, Steve Perry basically just has a uh, list of a things. A list to do. of things that are like, how do I make Shizor look like a badass? Well, I'll do this, and then this, and then this, and there's no real. What's the theme of this fucking thing? Well, there's there's no payoff to any of it. Yeah, there's, there's no point where it's like, ah, she's or fucks over some like company or group or dude, and then it comes back to bite him in the ass. It's always. No, I just I just did this so that I could show how cool I am. I mean, let's let's really quickly just go through the arc of Dash Rendar the character. So Dash Rendar is a rad, super powerful smuggler who uh, was kicked out of the academy because his brother was a bad pilot. So right off the bat, Dash Rendar is awesome, but his brother sucks, and that's why he's in a bad situation. Okay, we find him on some random asteroid waiting to do a cool mission. He goes off and does the cool mission, but he's so good at it, and everyone's all rat thinks how rad he is, and he's so rad, and then he leaves in the middle of it because he's a jerk. Then later, he tries to help Luke do something and fails, and he falls into a depression spiral. But then he gets over it, and he shows up and he helps them by being super rad, and everyone talks about how rad he is. And at the end, he's being so rad that he's about just about to leave again, except this time they like him for leaving instead of hating him for leaving, and he's squished by an asteroid. The end. Yeah. What what's his through line? What's the arc to this guy? He is rad. Uh, pretty much the the entirety of Dash Rendar is we needed a guy that we could try and sell to people as being Han Solo because Han Solo isn't here. Yes, and that's pretty much it. But instead of having you know several movies of we know who Han Solo is and we can build up and like have some sort of semblance of what's going on, he's not a main character. Like, they they want to introduce Dash Rendar as a main character, but they treat him as a very, like, minor side character for pretty much the entire book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it comes down to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, they introduced Dash Rendar as supposed to be this new huge hero, and he's the main character of the video game, and he's all these things, you're like, yeah, but we don't know anything about him because 
the book didn't care. No, the book really doesn't care especially much about him. We don't ever get inside his head, really. No, there is no from uh, Dash's point of view for basically anything. We get Luke's and uh, Leia's. We get Shizor and Vader. Poor Lando. Yeah, but Lando gets shit on, and we get nothing from Chewie's point of view. We get nothing from uh, Dash's point of view. Yeah, the from a certain point of view for this book. And, John, you know what the from a f- certain yes. point of view that that If you don't know what that is, recently there was a really, really cool compilation book release that, that had a... Uh, a bunch of iconic Star Wars scenes written about from the point of view of minor characters that were in the scene. Yeah, including one from the point of view from the Dianoga in the trash compactor. Yeah, which is all an awesome idea. In this book, the ultimate point of view epi- uh, chapter would be what Chewie thinks about all this nonsense. Yes. And that's... It's an issue because the point of views that we get like ruin the character, so I'm almost glad we don't get a Chewbacca <laughs> one because he'd probably be like... I'm a big dog. Oh, boy. I don't like it when Leia does things. Roof, roof. I hope they've got some dangle hams. I hate it when Leia leaves the house. I think she's never going to come back. Oh, boy. I'm going to give myself a bowcaster. I want a bowcaster that shoots snowsages. Oh, that would be great. I want to love that. I'm Chewbacca. There you go. Chewbacca There's hates Chewbacca. the McCoys. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the Harnfields. He's a Harnfield. Ah, yeah, there you go. Making the jokes. Good job, John. You got there. All right, so there's a couple more things we wanted to talk about today. So the first one is that we have questions. So questions many questions. from listeners. Uh, so a couple of listeners sent in questions that we cho- we chose to do on this interstitial episode. So uh, right off the bat, let's get to one of those. I have a question here from at Pelelos, and he says, "Who was your favorite Shadows of the Empire original character?" Uh, Milan. Uh, Koth Milan is a pretty good choice. Uh, so, so Koth Milan, if we haven't talked about him in forever because he's unceremoniously killed in the middle of one of the chapters, is the Bothan spymaster. Yes, uh, who was re- helpful and responsible for the whole Bothans got us this information scene, and he is one of the only introduced in this book characters that isn't awful yeah, in some way, either because like. Shizor's an awful person. Mm-hmm. Dash is just a shitty character. Mm-hmm. And you have things like, uh, what's his nuts? The Rodian with a lisp. And, uh, Avaro Sakul. Yeah, like all of these characters that are either annoying in some way or just pointless. Mm-hmm. Where at least he was like, oh, you you have some motivation. We get a, barely a backstory for you, but we know you have motivation. Mm-hmm. You did your job. You died heroically. Like, good job, man. Yeah, that's a standard Star Wars character. Yeah. Koth Milan was a great character. Uh, Bothans uh, are basically werewolf-looking dudes, and, and we know he looked rad as heck. Weird eyebrow werewolves. Well, that's based on... We have the West End Games... Uh, we'll talk about this briefly as well. We have the West End Games uh, Star Wars supplement for Shadows of the Empire, and it's got lots of pictures of, of uh, Bothans in it, and they look like kind of owly werewolves. Just big, weird eyebrow werewolves. Yeah, it, actually, they kind of look like if you asked Don Bluth to draw a werewolf. <laughs> because he's, he's for uh, whatever reason, Don Bluth, the animator behind like American Tail and stuff, is inextricably terrified of owls. Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't have pineapples around their eyes, but it's close enough. It's, yeah, it's very close. They, they look a lot like Lon Chaney owl werewolves. Yeah. So, Kothmalon, great new character. I'm going to go with Lebo. Cool. So, or, or either Lebo or Little Man. <laughs> little Man. I don't know if I could choose Little Man because he doesn't get a name. Oh, he's just, little Man. He's just Little Man. 
He's uh, my favorite. Little Man is the only person in the Empire who can routinely go up to Vader and give him bad news and not be killed. Yeah, Little Man is like a superhero. Yeah, but uh, I'm going to go with Lebo, who is Dash Rendar's personal astromech and uh, protocol droid. He's technically a repair droid, but he can fly the Outrider. Uh, he is supposed to be think of himself as kind of a comedian and be sort of a sarcastic douche nozzle. Uh, but he gets one line in the book. Yep. And I like that. I like that we don't really have to... He doesn't get a chance to ruin himself. No. Not, thankfully, because he only gets one line, and it's a sarcastic line, he basically reminds me of sort of a dry run on what K2SO turned out to be. Yes. So uh, so I, I, I'm i going to go with Lebo. I think he's a good choice. I'm glad we didn't get a chance to ruin him. And in fact, he's so little in this book that it doesn't matter that K2SO ended up being basically the same thing. There you go. Yeah, so there you have it. Uh, next question comes to us from... Gord Captain, and Gord Captain is asking us, what do you think about the weird situation of droid rights in Star Wars? They're clearly thinking beings, but everyone keeps them as property, and their destruction is treated as a joke. Thought about this due to your comments on Guri. Yeah. Well, I had mentioned before during, uh, or after the fight with uh, Skywalker and Guri that I was like, well, why didn't he just kill her? Because it also doesn't matter, she's just a droid. Yeah. Which, okay, yeah, droids have thoughts and are sentient beings. They've uh, played up droid death for both comedy and horror in Star Wars over the years. Yeah. There's there's a horror scene in Return of the Jedi where a droid's being torn apart in Jabba's like droid yeah. prison dungeon thing. Well, there's there's the one where it's he's getting his feet branded. Yeah, well that one's being punished because he's having his feet repeatedly branded. But in the background there's one being torn apart by a big magnet. Yeah. So and that and that one's played for like straight up horror, but then you've got the battle droids from uh, from you know the Phantom Menace, which are which just fall apart for fun. Yeah. So there's there's a variety of different types of, of droid murder uh, that it's played for a variety of different ways, but ultimately it's it's treated as no big deal. Well, they are still property. Mm -hmm. I mean, like well, Luke gives gives them away. Well, yeah, he gives them away, and Uncle Owen is buying them out of the back of a truck, essentially. Yeah, and. They aren't afforded rights, uh, as far as I am aware. There's no point where, like, a droid can go ahead and emancipate themselves from their owner or anything. No, so, you, you never see that. And, and the few droids that operate independently are treated as huge, weird aberrations. Well, yeah, when you have something like a Guri out there, they're like, wow, that's super weird. Even she falls under the jurisdiction of a droid that has an owner. Like, she does whatever she's or yeah. tells her. But there are a few droids out there, like HK-47 uh, has operated Masterless before. IG-88 is probably the most famous droid that just does whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Uh, he has no master and is, is just a crazy, evil bounty hunter. Yep. Uh, now that I think about it, HK-47's first directive is to, to, in the very first game he's in, is to establish you as his master. So I guess he's playing by the standard droid rules even then. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's probably the Star Wars equivalent of the laws of robotics that happen when you make a droid. Yeah. Where they, it's like, they, yeah, you can make him as smart and, like, have a personality and do whatever you want. But they need a master. Yeah, they have to follow somebody. The fact that IG-88 is straight up like, nah, fuck everybody, is a weird anomaly and probably also why there isn't going to be a lot of droid rights because they're like look that guy doesn't have a master and he just runs around killing folks <laughs> he just kills for fucking fun yeah he's six foot 20 fucking killing for fun he'll kick you apart he'll kick you apart Ooh. <laughs> so so yeah uh basically droid rights is something that that you look at in star wars 
you know, when you're in one of those long Star Wars conversations, like say, for example, if you've done 14 hour long podcasts about one Star Wars book, yeah, uh, that that starts to really fall apart under close examination. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where when you look at it, you go, you know, you probably should at some point have a droid revolution where they're like, yeah, we actually do want our actual rights because we are sapient beings. We I, can I, think for ourselves. That has to have come up in one of the books, and I'm sure that people are going to email us about it. I've read one Star Wars book that was for children called Droid World, and that was a story about a bunch of droids that had re- re- rebelled against uh, being run by the the people of the world and started their own moon. Like hmm. they have their own, it's all just droids there. And they're droids from all different walks of life. There's like all these like construction droids and stuff. Yeah. And it's, uh, let's see, it's Luke and his two droids go there and then realize it's all crazy and escape from it. But even then that whole thing is run by a human. There's some human dude that's living there. Who's like, I like droids better than people. That's why I surrounded myself with all these droids. That's why I made a planet of droids. Yeah. So, there, it would be neat if he he wasn't even a character, and it was just like, no, we're the droids who walked away. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's a confusing is issue that has a lot of overtones of slavery. It is and is a little too heady to discuss. Yeah. Come on, droids. All you have to lose are your your shackles or your restraining bolts. Restraining bolts. That's what they're called. There you go. I knew you needed it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next question comes to us from at Moron Jenk on Twitter. He says. Now that all of his sex and office stuff is gone, what will be the first inanimate object or room that Shizor will name, and to who will he brag? <laughs> well, we already know from experience that Shizor is quite an accomplished self-bragger. Like a lot of Faline, he was born with his own dick in his mouth. Uh, like, for example, when he's escaping from the top of the office tower, he stands there for a couple of minutes to talk about how great his ship is. Yeah. And he's not even talking to anyone. There's no one around to be duly impressed. He's just not even a chair or something. He's just up there going, hmm, yes, the Virago is the fastest ship in the galaxy. I should have sent it to get Jabba, but I didn't because I'm rich or yeah. something. I have to imagine that what's going to happen is he has, you know, because he's Shizor, he's got a whole bunch of bolt holes and safe rooms and houses Sanctums. all over the place. And he'll just go to one of them and be like, ha ha, Vader thought he could get me, but now in my sanctum mystorium, I'm here and now I shall rebuild and come back at the Empire with a renewed vigor, the vigor that one can only get if you are a Faline. One of the things I noted when I was reading through Faline's description in that West End Star Wars source book is that uh, they are amphibious and that Shizor can technically spend up to 12 hours underwater without breathing. Yeah, so maybe that's what he's doing. He's down there talking to the fish about how great he is. Yeah, mm. that's what he's doing. Yes, hello, fleek eels. Mm. Did you know that I have eaten several of you? Yes. Mm. Mm. Most cold. That is the way I prefer to eat you. <laughs> Mostly cold. <laughs> Oh, man, some cold fleek eel the morning after, though. Oh, yeah, you get oh, that dude. fleek eel out of the heat fridge, and you're like, mm, man, it's somehow even better cold oh, the, the day after. The best thing to do after Fallian Thanksgiving is to take the stuffing and run it into a waffle iron. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but if you make a, a waffle out of stuffing, it gets all these nice crags and stuff, and then you just crack an egg over that shit and put a fleek eel piece on top. That is fucking heaven, let me tell you right now. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, <laughs> John, you want to take over, ask a couple of questions? All right, so next up we've got uh, Inferno Steve on Twitter asked, considering the point of Shadows of the Empire was to have a movie marketing push, toys, comics, and whatnot, uh, without an actual movie, 
in a Shadows movie, what scenes make it in, and who plays the new characters? Well, I guess here's the big question. Uh, Empire Strikes Back came out in 1981. Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. Well, the question is, do we have to go with things in that time period? That's what I was going to ask. Do we need to say... Can I pick and choose wherever? I'm going to say you can have any actors you want from any time period, but if you wanted to play the game fairly, it would have to be actors who were at the correct age in 1982. Or are we talking about actors that would have to be the correct age when Shadows of the Empire came out? In which case it would be 1996. Yeah. So you have your choice of 82, 96, or just whoever would be best for every given role. Great. Uh, I mean, for me... uh. Obviously, a lot of the creepier scenes we're probably going to take out, but I think you can leave most of it in there, but you would actually play it for comedy. I would do Shadows of the Empire as a straight-up comedy movie. Okay. Uh, We're going to have Andy Samberg is going to be Dash Rendar. Oh, so you're modernizing. You're taking it to today. Yes. Okay. And we're going to do a Will Ferrell (laughs) Shizor. Oh, Christ. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'm on board. Uh, and, let's see. Uh, who else do we need to get give a uh, a role to? I mean, those two were kind of our big characters. Well, yeah, but I mean, Feral for Shizor is a no brainer for me. Between like uh, Anchorman and uh, Zoolander, that type of character is exactly what Shizor is. Yeah, the that's... type who's just ridiculous up his own ass and doesn't realize it, and never realizes when anyone else is making fun of him either. I can definitely get behind that. That seems reasonable to me. Uh, I'm going to do a 1982 version. Okay. And I'm going to want uh, Bill Murray for Dash Rendar. And All right. A 1982 like Stripes and Ghostbusters era Bill Murray for Dash Rendar. Uh, he's likable even though no one can figure out why. <laughs> uh, has a good sense of self-confidence. Yeah, so that's going to be my uh, Dash Rendar. Uh, for my Shizor, I'm going to pick Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones. That's an interesting pick. 1982 Jeffrey Jones. Already a little overweight, so probably not muscly enough to play the role. But before everyone found out all about the the Troubles. <laughs> the Troubles. <laughs> so this is like Jeffrey Jones uh, circa... Cir- circa Ferris Bueller's. Yeah, circa Ferris Bueller's. Uh, he's playing him as sort of an administrative type. He's a little stiff and upper crusty. He's bad, and he also has that that unpleasant sexual energy that you really need to have on a Shizor. All right. Uh, if I were setting it in the modern day, I would probably follow Brandon Bird's lead and give Shizor to Ed uh, Edward Norton. To Ed Harris. To Ed Harris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I would put Army Hammer in as Dash Rendar, because Army Hammer is rumored for every single role that doesn't go to him. <laughs> uh, I mean, ultimately, it would just be what's his name from Deadpool. It'd be Ryan Reynolds because Ryan Reynolds plays every character that Army Hammer is rumored for. Oh, <laughs> uh, see now, if I could go back in time though, and I was doing one of the old ones, the eighties, I'd probably, I'd probably give Rendar to Burt Reynolds. Oh, I could see a Burt Reynolds Rendar. That'd be yeah, pretty, yeah. I'm that on... is one hundred percent where I would go with that. Yeah, that seems reasonable to me. I, I, uh, I was gonna say I'd also be if I were doing a comedy one in that era, I'd go Rick Moranis for Dash Rendar. That's a really weird pick. I know. And I, I'm, I'm standing by it anyway. I don't care. <laughs> or here's another one I think would be good as a 1982 character for uh, for him would be, oh, why am I, why, why is his name escaping me? You know who he is. He's Sam Malone on Cheers. Oh, yeah. Uh, who's that guy? Yeah, you know that guy. Woody yeah. Harrelson. No, no, he's, <laughs> he's not that. You know, Ted Danson. Ted Danson. So Ted Danson is Dash Rendar. <laughs> Circa 1982, though. Yeah. Uh, and then for Shizor. Uh, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <laughs> Young, dopey Woody Harrelson. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, what's Brian Cox up to in 1982? I could see that working. 
<laughs> oh, dude, I just realized who I want for Shizor in, in a 1982 movie. Okay, so we got Ted Danson for, for uh, <laughs> Ted Danson for Dash Rendar and Brian Blessed for Shizor circa 1982. 1982's Christopher Lee as Shizor. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, he's just walking around. I will have the fleek eel. Someday I will dooku onto others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, give me that. Give me that old timey Christopher Lee. No, I'm sticking to it. I want Brian Blessed the way he looked in like fucking Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Just open wide the mouth and let in the scenery. All right, what, why me, don't we move give on? Give me a good old fashioned 1982 Jeremy Irons for Shizor. Yeah, I can see that. I'd be down for that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just he popped into my head because you were like someone that opens mouth and inserts scenery. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we got a, an email from Sir Phobos. How would you rework Shizor and Dash Rendar to a par of the new canon? Pretend you worked for Lucasfilm and an exec came to you and said, "We know these two have questionable aspects to them, especially the green guy, but they're a non-insignificant part of the brand, and we want to make money off nostalgia for Shadows without setting off an internet shitstorm." Make a plan on how we can rehabilitate rehabilitate these characters. Uh, so, okay. Well, you, I'm gonna. Okay, let's let's do it Gotham style. Well, I was just gonna say Dash Rendar is super easy because you just you take you tone him down slightly, and he really is just a Han Solo. It's yeah. Fun. Or you lean into the wind and you make him a gritty cable type. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to do a lot of reworking with Dash to get him to a point where you're like, yeah, you can work him into. Like a new movie, you could do a new style Disney Star Wars movie with Dash Rendar, yeah, and it wouldn't be an issue. So I would take Shizor away from being the head of Dark Sun and make him into Dark Sun's top enforcer, and then it would make him giant and green and scaly and like a monster, yeah, like half the size of a Rancor. Basically, I'd basically kill or crock him. Well, the the thing I would do with Shizor though is. I would do something similar, but have it be about his rise to power, where people think he's a killer croc, mm. and you're like, no, I'm actually a Bane, and that I am ridiculously intelligent, and I take over your criminal organization because you think I'm just an enforcer. So are we saying he's half Bane and half, like, the Kurt Connors lizard? <laughs> yeah. So he's a lizard man who can get all huge when he needs to, but most of the time he's just a super calculating lizard dude. Yeah. Also, he has no interest in human women. Well, instead of, you know, venom, he's got them them pheromones. Yeah, he's got them sex pheromones that, but ju- I would, that jerk him up. But I would probably up. just turn the pheromone thing into something that is uh, basically like a drug that gets you slightly high. So it's not like, here's my date rape drug, as much as it is, I can make people kind of confused and tired and woozy and not really certain what's going on. It gives him an edge in combat, gives him an edge in actually dealing with people. And it has no specific effect on females. Let's no, go. It's, it's just it's, a drug that makes you yeah. get kind of out of sorts. Okay, so what we turn him into effectively is half Bane, half Kurt Connors lizard, who can exude a cloud of pheromones that make people woozy. Yeah. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. And then I, I want him to be way more brutal than he is in the book. Yeah, he's so brutal. Well, I mean, brutal is in like, you know, he does shit instead of just sitting around talking about it. You oh, know? yeah. Well, that was the main problem of Shadows of the Empire that, I I mean, I, I've harped on it the entire time we've been talking about it, but I didn't do it when you were saying the things we hated about it. It's just the fact that Sh- Steve Perry is all tell and not show. Yeah. And if you had times where instead of Shizor going, look at how amazing I am, let me tell you, it was just, oh, we see Shizor doing crazy bullshit all the time, and he never has to brag about it. Yeah, I mean, notably, 
there are so many dumb things that Shizor does throughout the course of the book that we've already forgotten half of them, and we've been reading it for months. I mean, think about this one. There's a point in the book where Shizor has his robot break up with his girlfriend for him. Yeah. I mean, that's something we've just forgotten about, because crazy more and more crazy Shizor shit came after that. <laughs> yeah, because every time we would come back and do another one of these podcasts, we're like, wow, Shizor went even dumber. But, I mean, do we want to see a rehabilitated Shizor as a new character in the new canon send a, a, a sexy robot to break up with his girlfriend for him because he hasn't got the stones to do it himself? <laughs> no. We don't even want Shizor to have a new girlfriend every week because what that, that is completely antithetical to what he does. He's a crime boss. He should be bossing crime. Yeah, I mean... In your standard sort of crime boss thing, you can have a scene where he just goes, all right, you can go now, to some woman. But it's not like, I need someone to break up with my girlfriend for me. Yeah. No. No. We make him bigger, scarier, and smarter. That's that's the easy fix to Shizor. Also, all that rape stuff, just gone. Yeah, just, just super gone. No interest in human women whatsoever, or any other species women's. Just He just is a crime man. Yeah, he is crime man. He does a crime. <laughs> Uh, we got another email from a uh, longtime listener of, for the show, Nikki Cheeses, and he asks, who do the original characters in Shadows of the Empire main in Overwatch? Well, first of all, Dash Rendar knows a code for Overwatch that makes Dash Rendar a playable character in Overwatch. I was going to say, no, 100% Dash Rendar is a Hanzo main. Fuck that guy forever. <laughs> We're going to have to have different answers on this one, because I think Dash Rendar plays Dash Rendar. No. Dash, Dash Rendar is a Hanzo main, and if you play Overwatch, you know why I'm saying that Dash <laughs> Rendar is a Hanzo main. <laughs> All right, so who does Shizor play? Uh, Shizor is... Now, is he playing Widowmaker because he just loves butts so much? <laughs> I was going to say, but you don't see her butt. Because it's all just first-person shooter. No, he's, he's so playing he has the entire to... game for victory poses. No, 100% what he's doing is forcing Guri to play with him, and Guri only plays Tracer or Widow so that he can look at her butt. However, he is definitely playing Reaper. Oh, that's, yeah, I could, I, I was going to say Reaper would make a Dash Rendar se- a bit of sense for me as well, but but uh, no, I could definitely see Shizor forces, forcing his way into Reaper. He's that guy who's got a super expensive computer, because one thing I've noticed about Overwatch. I don't play it nearly as much as you do. No. Not at all. But every time I go in for a quick match, no matter how fast my connection is, no matter how fast I manage to get into the character selection screen, there is already some other player there, and they have already chosen Reaper. And it is always that. (laughs) It's like he just comes with the room. Oh, yeah. No, it's... He is definitely the guy who's like, look, I spent... You know, $10,000 on a ridiculous super gaming rig. And I have a T1 running just in my house just for, for, just for internet. Yeah, and what I do is I get into the room first. I pick Reaper. I am always paired with Guri. Guri always picks Tracer or Widow. And there we go. And I just run around behind her and look at her butt. And 100%, the three of them are also in a team. It's it's Guri, Shizor, and uh, Dash are all on a team. It's the three of them show up. He picks Reaper, and then one of them picks Widow, and the other one picks Hanzo, and the map is on offense. So you've got <laughs> fucking two snipers on offense, and I fucking hate you so much, and I have anger issues about Overwatch. Also, the three of them just all start yelling at the other two to have to pick tank and healer. Need yeah. healer, guys. We need heals. Someone, Someone play shows heals. Up, he's like, yo, I-, I don't know how to play a tank or heals, and they're like, fuck you, you play that. We got in first. <laughs> and that's all they do. Yep, and if you don't play Overwatch and have no idea what we've been talking about, that's probably for the best. That's why my original joke was that Dash Rendar plays himself, because that works even if you don't know what the fuck Overwatch is. (laughs) (laughs) All 
right, and uh, we've got one last question here from friend of the show, Claire. Everyone loves Claire. Oh, Claire. We haven't been able to get her on the show in a while because she's got a five-month-old baby. Yeah. We'll figure that shit out. We'll put him on the show. Fuck she, it. She's got her own little man. Yeah, she's got a little man. <laughs> so if this were canon, how would uh, how would it affect your interpretation of Jedi? Like, knowing what happened shortly before the film. So how would the film It in- interpret my, my uh, feelings about Return of the Jedi? Yes. Okay, so... How would Pennywise affect your interpretation <laughs> well, of Jedi? Really, you've got to start establishing parallels between Coruscant and Derry, Maine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now the question... I mean, the obvious thing is, where the fuck did all those new characters go? Yeah, I mean, that's, that is your big question. If this was an actual canon movie, you go, all right, that, that's great and all. I'm glad you've made this, but uh, what? where is everyone? What happened to every single person in this? Where's all the Bothans? Like, every single thing that gets mentioned in this, never again. Well, except that all the parts of this book that are just there to give us boring backstory explanations for things that happened to Return of the Jedi. That's that's the problem, is you're like, oh yeah, uh, none of the characters or background or events that matter in this book show up again. Or get referenced. But, like, but boy think- howdy... Fucking Luke's boots show up. You're like, oh, that's what I was wondering where they came from. Oh, man, Luke lost his lightsaber in Empire Strikes Back. How does he have one now? And a different colored one at that. This makes no sense to me. I cannot believe this. Yeah. Wait a minute. Where would Leia get a bounty hunter outfit? (laughs) How is that even possible that someone would find an outfit? <laughs> and how on earth would she get a thermal detonator? No one should let a lady have a grenade. Everyone Hopefully. knows ladies shouldn't have thermal detonators. Why, if she were to have one, I would share a concerned glance with the males in the room. <laughs> I mean, I think the real thing that we need to stop right there and talk about, John, is what's a thermal detonator? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you'd look at this chart right here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, a thermal detonator is a tiny thermonuclear device <laughs> capable of exploding either a small area, as small as 10 feet, or as large as several city blocks. Now, the one that we've been discussing up until now is a Class A thermal de- thermodetonator. A Class A? A Class A, which you, uh, by your confused expression, I can tell you're already scared, which is good. You should go with that because a class a thermal detonator is far more lethal and explosive than any other thermal detonator definitely does not belong in the hands of a dainty lady <laughs> of course not no of course and i think that's just something that's important to the presentation on the thermal detonator every time we give it all right it's- next slide <laughs> <laughs> thermal detonators and you da, da, da. <laughs> uh don't worry everyone i added a few music cues and some slides that are fun in Ooh, here look at those slide transitions yeah look at this that one's a star wipe Ooh, star warsy <laughs> star wipe <laughs> i want it to be one of those 1950s informa- informational films <laughs> hi kids i'm a thermal detonator knew your father i did <laughs> Uh, so yeah, to shower four times a day. That is, uh, that is definitely the questions that we had for Shadows <laughs> of the Empire. Do we answer that last one at all? Uh, I mean, that would affect my viewing of Jedi in that it would appear that every single person involved that, uh, was in this movie slash book has amnesia. Yeah. Well, they di- either they died so that you don't have to talk about them or there'd be characters like, you know, Wedge, for example, might have something to say about, Hey, remember how I rescued you off the, like outside Coruscant, like in orbit around Coruscant and me and my boys showed up and we rescued you and like seven of them died so we could get you and Dash Rendar out of there. And the fact that Black Sun is never mentioned again yeah. as an organization. No, they certainly don't go up again. So I would be very confused. Yeah. Uh, that, I guess that's my you, answer. I, I would be. I don't think it would help. No, it would. If this was canon, I'd be like, man, this is a really thought out movie. 
<laughs> like the noble Chiru, that would make no sense. Like the noble Chiru, it's really poorly thought out. <laughs> so, so there you go. Those are all the questions that we have. There you go. All right, so uh, we did briefly flip through the uh, West End Games uh, source book for Shadows of the Empire. We made a couple of interesting realizations that are definitely fun to talk about. Uh, there's really only one that we have time for and that I really want to get into. <laughs> and that's the fact that every single thing that ever existed in this book has stats in the supplement. Okay, that's that's that makes two I want to talk about. Every planet is mentioned, every planet has gone over. Characters who are only in the book for like a split second get a full stat description. Oh yeah, if for example, were, if you were wondering if the random guy who is in charge of giving out like spice spice like the guy who shows up with a big trash bag of spike spice for Shizor in case someone wants it doesn't get paid for it and leaves has stats Boy, howdy, does he. Yeah, we're talking at this point about Wendell Wright Sims, uh, the drug dealer on Coruscant who shows up. Also, let me just say, Wendell Wright Sims sounds like he should be a watcher on Buffy. Yeah, or a video game designer from, like, the 1990s. Like, he should be hanging around, like, Peter Molina, like, at that level. Yeah, and he created The Sims. Yeah. Hello, I'm Wendell Wright Sims, creator of The Sims. In the next Sims game, Sims will be even 50,000 times more intelligent than they are right now. Why, you'll be able to tell a sim something and it'll immediately interpret it and do the thing you want. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just learned from my, my uh, producers that the next game is 100% microtransactions. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Our, our, our mistake. You know, I'm really more of a talker than I am a game designer. I love that shit in game design where people come out and they're like, we're making a game and it's so advanced that now you'll be able to go anywhere. There's literally infinite possibilities why you could go down to a planet, find an entire civilization and spend hours, days, years just searching that planet and there's an infinite number of planets. You're like, no, there's not. Oh, fucking No Man's Sky is what we're talking about yes, right now, is. isn't it? No Man's yeah. Sky is exactly what I'm talking about yeah, because people are still ridiculously bitter about yeah, it. Yeah, they're so mad about that game based on the promises and then the actual game is basically like, hey, what if uh, what if you could play Spore but also you had a spaceship? Yeah. Because that's what it is. It's just go down to a boring planet with nothing but nature on it, look at the stupid nature, name the planet Booger Planet, leave, go find another one, repeat. Yep. You know, I went down to that planet, and I shot a rock with a laser, and I picked up a rock, and I was like, boy, howdy, am I glad I'm playing this game. Oh, gosh, I did so many things on this planet that murderous droids are chasing me. <laughs> Time to go to another planet, but before I go, this planet is named Poop. Okay, let's go. Yay! All right, so this is the one thing I wanted to get to in the book. One of the seven Vigos of Shizor was Wumdi the Eti. Oh, yes. And uh, it says in the book, when you're describing Wumdi the Eti, it calls him the human known as Wumdi the Eti, like under the description of the character, which was deeply confusing to me because that breaks the standard of uh, something the something in Star Wars, which is that's the species they are. Yeah. I mean, it's also true of like Sonic games. Yeah. You know, you've got Jabba the Hutt and Big the Cat and, and R Knuckles the Echidna and uh, Knack the Dynamite. And, uh, and and he is Dynamite. Yeah, and Simonel the Igroyan and that sort of thing. Uh, so Wumdi is an Eddie, and Eddies are almost human, and I want to read you, just just you, John, this is for you. Just for me, just straight the, from God. Just the first paragraph of a description of Eddie, which again are a very slightly modified human variation of, uh, in Star Wars. But I'm going to make one small difference when I'm reading the paragraph, and I'm kind of hoping you can guess what it is based on the reading. <laughs> Great. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Human. White people. The white people are a race which concerns itself only with outward appearance and the acquisition of greater luxury. White people, while genetically human, tend to have lighter, less muscular physiques than the human norm, possibly as a result of generations of pampered living. 
Their flesh is relatively soft and pale, and their hair is among the most finely textured in their region. White people often have aquiline features, giving them a haughty look of superiority. <laughs> Excellent. Now, John, can you tell the, the, the small change I made? Oh, yeah. No one uses the word aquiline. Yeah, Come on, yeah that's correct. They actually have leonine features. <laughs> So, uh, so that's what an Eddie is, in case you were wondering. They are, yep. <laughs> they are definitely just white people. <laughs> so, so uh, there, I mean, we're talking, there are stats for Zananzu, the Epicanthic Asian monks, who, if you're curious, West End Games calls beautiful but deadly, following it immediately in the next paragraph with deadly but beautiful. Ah, <laughs> uh, excellent. I just thought people might want to know. Also, there is no way that, that uh, Luke should be able to lightsaber block uh, Shizor, because Shizor's got nine dice plus two on, on his blaster accuracy. Yeah, just uh, stats in the RPG, Shizor would definitely fucking destroy Luke Skywalker, and in addition to that, Guri would clown on oh, him. That was completely true. He shouldn't be able to land a single punch on her. Force or no force. Yeah, like, <laughs> the force is an actual thing in the game where you're like, oh, I can get some bonus dice and do some cool things. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I, I know you've got some force sensitivity for your combat abilities, but Guri would still just straight slap you across the face and call you a little boy. Yep, that is 100% what would have happened. So that's the source book, and again, uh, one of our listeners sent that into us, so thank you so much. Uh, and I think that's it, except for one last thing we got to do on this oh, we've, episode. We've got to make our big announcement. Yep, John and I are getting married. It's finally happened. <laughs> we're we're doing it. We're tying the knot. <laughs> nope. Of course, what is actually true is it's time to announce the next book. Ooh, next book. This wasn't a mini series. We're gonna keep going. And before I tell you the name, I'm gonna read you the dust jacket title. Because I've got a hard copy of this sucker. You've got that hard copy. Yeah, I've got a hard cover. I've got a I've got a copy of this book that I wouldn't want to read on a plane. <laughs> I've got you've got a copy of that book that's like Shizor's dong, <laughs> green and alien <laughs> and hard, <laughs> and down your pants for some reason. Stinky. <laughs> Probably. I mean, the rest of them is right. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Princess Leia is dealt a crushing blow when her three children, Anakin and the twins Jaina and Jason, are kidnapped. Leia's advisors counsel her to wait for a ransom note, but waiting is the hardest thing for a mother to do when her children are in danger, and worse than waiting is her discovery that she cannot sense her children through the Force. Ultimately, the princess has no choice. She, Chewbacca, and R2-D2 track the kidnappers, following their trail to a disabled refugee ship where the answers provided by Rilau, a mysterious fugitive, only provide more questions. The refugees' children are also missing, and Rilau thinks she knows who has them, a powerful Imperial officer named Hethrir, who has his own twisted plans to restore the Empire to its former glory. Meanwhile, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker are on a separate mission to the planet Cersei to investigate a report of a lost group of Jedi. Cersei is at the mercy of strange quantum effects caused by the death of a nearby star that is slowly freezing into a uniquely perfect crystal. The crystal star causes a disruption in the Force, blunting Luke's power and cutting the Millennium Falcon off from Leia and their home base. What Han and Luke find on the planet is even stranger than a crystallizing sun. A charismatic alien named Waru, who has attracted a following of fanatic devotees through his miraculous healing powers. Is Waru a being of benevolence? Or do his healing arts conceal a darker purpose? As Leia, Chewbacca, and Rilau follow Hethrir's trail of treachery across space, Luke and Han 
draw closer to the truth behind Waru's sinister cult. Ultimately, they will face an explosive showdown that could determine not only their fates and the fate of the New Republic, but whether the universe itself will survive. So, folks, uh, tune in next week for to chapter... find out if the universe survives. <laughs> we'll be done right away. The book's only three chapters long. <laughs> Who knew? For uh, the first installment of Vonda McIntyre's The Crystal Star. Can I just say, right, right from the get-go, I am so excited that Leia and Chewbacca are off on another friendly fun I, mission. I noticed that while I was reading through it, that Chewbacca and Leia are going to be hanging out together again. I hope, at this point, it's got to be like 15 years later, because she's got three kids. Yeah. And uh, the kids are actually, like, can do Force stuff, I think. Yes, they can. All three of them are Jedi. Cool. Uh, get ready for that. they have to be, you know, quite a few years later. Uh, well, okay, in, in this book, I'm pretty sure Anakin's about four. So Anakin's the youngest. Uh, the other two are twins, and they are, I think, probably either seven or eight at this point. They aren't that much older than him. Um, so the two of them might already know that they are Jedi. Anakin's probably doing that kind of Force child thing that jack jack stuff yeah that jack jack super kid with power stuff which you don't really ever see in the star wars movies like a character finds out they're a jedi and then they start learning things they don't just jedi on accident yeah uh but in this in this universe anakin solo is quite quite powerful uh and so even as a four-year-old he is a powerful force jedi okay great so get ready for that you're going to be excited to meet the three new characters there plus uh rilau hethrir waru and who who knows who else in Vonda McIntyre's The Crystal Star, starting next week. Nice. Mm-hmm. I've heard that this one is famously bad, so this should be a good choice. Uh, after this, who knows where we'll go, but it's going to be a while, because we got a whole new book. we got a whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> a shining place for you and me. I don't know that next lyric. <laughs> God damn it, get your shit together and learn some Disney. I know so much Disney. That's just one song I never liked all that much. Uh. Man, you're not, you're not there for my musical bits this time. No Les Mis, no Aladdin. Oh, gee, almost as if someone passed on all my musical bits last time with all the Little Mermaid references that were so easy. Yeah, but my bits are good. Yeah, whatever. My bits would have been fine. <laughs> my I bits was, are green. I was all set to bring in some Kiss the Girl, and you were like, nah, man. So this is just all coming back home on you. <laughs> it's all coming back home to roost. <laughs> Okay, well, if you enjoyed all this and you're looking forward to the next episode, then please be our guest. Be our guest? <laughs> thank you. Finally, one. Just yeah, you get one. You get. Thank you. Okay. Uh, as always, this please is... Please be our guest! <laughs> well, I guess, I guess I got what I paid for. Yeah, man. You don't want me to start in on that shit, because I will go. <laughs> I don't half-ass my dumb song reference. When I was a lad, I ate five dozen eggs. Four dozen eggs. Four dozen. Oh, that's right. Every and now morning to help me get large. large. And, and now, now that I've grown, I eat five dozen eggs. So I'm roughly the size of a barge. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm yeah, back. Yeah, we're, we're, Everything's fine. <laughs> Maurice was in here last night raving again. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Slow down, Maurice. <laughs> All right, so folks, sorry about the Disney stuff. Uh, so- we're, sorry we're, about all that. We're both way into Disney musicals. <laughs> all right, so uh, this has been the Expounded... What an ending. This has been the Expounded Universe podcast where we sing really loudly into mics. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Support us for any amount and you unlock bonus content from some of our other shows. Uh, like System Mastery, Movie Mastery, uh, Gamma Crawl X, and so on. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Tune in soon for more Expounded Universe, and until that time, I'm Elan Sleesbagano, and I love Death Sticks. 
gave that dog a crossbow and two bachelor's degrees. <laughs> Pulls everyone cheese on. I don't know why. <laughs> That's Vader, <laughs> the world's greatest power top. Take a look at these meat bags. 